Welcome and thank you for joining us on this new episode of Mufid 19. I am Hisham Salam. I am joined today by my co-host Amra Hamzawi. This episode discusses an exciting new project based out of the American University in Cairo, Social Protection Egypt, to learn more about this project, its principal investigators, and its project researchers. Please visit socialprotectionegypt.com. Today, we are joined by the project's principal investigator, Dina Makram Abed, who is also an assistant professor at the Department of Sociology, Egyptology, and Anthropology at the American University in Cairo. She is also joined by Amr Adli, a co-principal investigator on this project, and an assistant professor of political science at the AUSC. Amr and Dina, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Hisham. Dina and Amr, could you tell us a little bit more about the project and its motivations? I'll jump in and, and maybe we can complement each other. So I think the idea came basically at the beginning of the COVID moment when we're in lockdown. And it seemed like specifically in Egypt, we had no idea what exactly was going on in terms of numbers, what, you know, what's the situation. There was already a bit of talk about um, <clears throat> some form of aid being distributed to workers who work in irregular and precarious jobs. Um, and so I think our impetus came from a sense of, okay, we need to understand what is going on. You know, what's the, how specifically people who are in the most marginalized have been affected by COVID. What are the kind of interventions that can happen? And uh, that coincided with a call at the American University in Cairo to produce research that was uh, pertinent to um, the socioeconomic effects of COVID-19. And so we, we, we thought together of putting something that would help us uh, researchers basically provide some <clears throat> empirical evidence in terms of the impact of COVID on the most marginalized people and what would be the forms of interventions needed. Yeah, the, the, the point was also to uh, contextualize the, 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 the impact of the, of the pandemic and the measures uh, uh, that were taken and that could have been uh, uh, taken uh, uh, like socially and uh, related to the institutional and policy uh, um, situation that was already there in, uh, in Egypt. And that's why I think that the, the stress on uh, precarious employment, on social protection uh, programs uh, was a, a very, uh, uh, was a, actually an excellent analytical link between uh, the, the pandemic as uh, a contingency uh, and the uh, uh, like longer uh, standing uh, structural and institutional uh, conditions. In one of the project papers, specifically the one co-authored by Hiba Khalil and Karim Megahid, you suggest that we need to move beyond the binary of formal and informal labor in analyzing the impact of the pandemic on Egyptian labor. What alternative approaches does the project adopt? I think basically what we were struggling with um, was this idea that you know precarious workers are only the ones who are you know uh, in the disorganized if you want to call it like this you know informal disorganized sector, and uh, that, you know the those who have formal employment haven't been necessarily impacted as much. And I think increasingly what we see in formal forms of employment is again also precarity uh, in its variety. And so I think our approach was, okay, of course we need to understand because, because again, it's starting from this idea that the main focus was necessarily on people who don't have contracts or who were given the government aid, which is 
you know, the 600 pounds and so on. But the idea then became, is this the only sector we want to be looking at? And is this the only place that's been affected or has it been affecting also even more formally employed uh, sectors, but uh, in ways that are related to forms of employment security? What are the contracts? What are the kind of, uh, for example, health coverage and uh, so, um, social care coverage and so on that affects the people who are employed? And that's why we introduced not only through the labor angle, looking at the actual uh, forms of employment relations and so on, but looking at what is the possibilities for healthcare for people, even who are in the formal sector, but still cannot really access uh, um, proper healthcare if they're not, you know, they don't have uh, medical insurance and so on. So that was the idea that it's not just one sector and we're forgetting whatever is happening, the incipient precarity that is happening to the formal sector as well, which is very well documented in numbers. I agree with with what you were saying, and uh, I like. Let me just like uh, add exactly what uh, like what Dina was uh, was saying that uh, we uh, like uh, in the in the design of the project we tried to uh, introduce uh, uh, like a gender angle uh, together with the more uh, traditional approach that focuses on employment uh, conditions like the distinction between those working in the informal sector or those working informally regardless of the sector in which they are uh, uh, working uh, but of course with uh, uh, like while being conscious of the uh, gender uh, uh, dynamics that uh, are there especially with the overrepresentation of uh, women in uh, uh, informal in the informal labor uh, uh, market and the uh, over representation of, of, of women in the different forms of precarious employment not only in Egypt not only in the global south but in in, in the in the world more generally this is a statistical uh, fact and that's why the the pay like we, we, we have one of the of the papers and I think uh, one that uh, like con contributes significantly uh, uh, to the uh, uh, debate on um, uh, like on, on the question of precari uh, of precariousness uh, in times of, of, of the pandemic uh, is the one on uh, domestic violence, uh, which transcends pretty much uh, like uh, by definition, uh, the gender approach tries to transcend the uh, dichotomy between the private and the, and the public. Uh, and hence, it's not just about the market uh, uh, place dynamics or about public policies that have to do with uh, women's access to public services or to labor opportunities uh, or to income in times of uh, of, of recession uh, but uh, uh, also uh, it addresses the impact that the pandemic had on women in uh, the so-called private uh, sphere uh, uh, which is uh, like as impacted or was as uh, impacted by the pandemic as well as by the uh, uh, public policies or the lack thereof uh, uh, during the, these times. So I, I think that, the, the, that this paper was uh, uh, like quite a contribution because it, it tried to uh, bring in uh, the uh, discussion again about the, the institutional and policy frameworks that are already uh, at work in, in uh, or that were already at work in, in Egypt at the, by the time the pandemic hit. Uh, and at the same time, how uh, uh, this impacted uh, the position of, uh, of, uh, of women uh, especially the ones uh, that happen to occupy the most precarious social as well as economic uh, positions. So uh, again, like I, I think that this was uh, quite complementary to the discussion of uh, uh, precariousness, but from a gender angle. Thank you so much, Dina and Amr. In the paper that Hisham just cited, one of the major highly publicized government interventions to alleviate the impact of the pandemic on 
uh, Egypt's informal uh, labor has been the 500 pound stipend given to participants in the informal sector in, in Egypt. How does a project assess the effectiveness of the 500 pound stipend? Uh, so I, I, I can uh, like I, I, I can start. Uh, so the the all, all this this is something that cuts across, especially on the uh, like both the the, the background paper uh, that tried to frame the overall uh, uh, project, uh, as well as in the paper that addressed uh, specifically uh, um, social protection uh, policies. Uh, of course, we had to depend uh, pretty much, especially quantitatively, on uh, already existing uh, uh, like official uh, data, uh, and uh, this is lacking to a great extent when it comes to the exact uh, patterns of disbursement uh, of uh, uh, this uh, uh, like emergency uh, uh, form of income. We do have, nevertheless, uh, both quantitatively as well as qualitatively, based on uh, anecdotal uh, uh, evidence. Uh, that uh, uh, it uh, like th th there was this uh, consistent discrimination uh, against women. Uh, so most of the uh, informal uh, uh, workers that had access to that uh, income uh, were males. Uh, and of course, this uh, uh, like had to do with uh, elements of the of the uh, within the design itself of the of the policy as well as the implementation. Uh, that of course could not uh, uh, treat many of the societal biases. So it's not that the state here was positive in discriminating against women, but it, it was the other way around. Is that you, you don't have uh, like the, the policies were gender neutral uh, at a time when uh, uh, like precariousness is uh, quite uh, feminized. Uh, so th that is one uh, problem. Uh, however, th there was also another uh, finding that uh, there was an, an overall problem with coverage. The kind of uh, data that is uh, uh, available, uh, uh, like uh, like that, that that is or that has been accumulated in the past uh, several uh, years, uh, with the restructuring of uh, subsidization and social uh, protection in in Egypt, uh, away from universal subsidies to uh, more targeted uh, uh, cash-based uh, uh, transfers. Uh, and the point is that the coverage is not as extensive. Uh, many of these programs, by the way, are still being uh, like the, the, like the database is is still being built. Uh, many of the capacities, the kind of intelligence, and this is something that, uh, with with a balanced analysis, was taken into consideration. Uh, it's not that these are uh, fully uh, fledged, well developed uh, programs. The problem is that the the, the pandemic hit at a time when uh, these programs were being designed, when there was an overall uh, restructuring of the role of the, of the state vis-a-vis -vis society, uh, uh, like having to do with the redefinition of what social protection is, who are the, like who should be the beneficiaries, et cetera. So uh, this overall compromised the ability to reach out to uh, uh, the, uh, like some of the most uh, precarious people, uh, uh, both quantitatively as well as qualitatively, the kind of, uh, help that could be or could have been extended to them, as well as the amount of help uh, that was given to the biggest amount of people that were in need. So this is part of the of the finding. Uh, uh, but again, like the, the the I think that the analysis was quite balanced, especially that uh, part of the bigger uh, uh, team and the team was quite big, uh, were people that uh, were insiders to a great extent to the design of many of these social protection uh, programs. So they, they, they were aware of many of the of the limitations. So that eventually we uh, uh, like could manage our expectations when it came to assessing 
the kind of performance that they that they gave. So I, I'm, I'm, maybe Dina has something. Dina? No, I, I mean, I totally agree with everything Amr is saying. Uh, I think one of the main things exactly is he's saying is, is the, the gender element of this uh, stipend, but also these access and reaching people. And I think one of the things that will come out as recommendations in, our, in the policy papers is the unification of the registries that we have, where we know what, I mean, these registries exist already, but what we need to have is a form of a unification of so it's not every time we're reinventing to we, the wheel in terms of go register, who are you, best have you registered or have you not, there are already existing databases that could have been used and have not been used um, uh, to make this uh, stipend more, to have more outreach. And I guess this is one of the things we recommend in the, in the uh, or, or those who wrote the papers actually basically recommend in the, in the policy paper. Are there any government interventions which, according to your research and the project, have been effective in alleviating the economic impact of the pandemic? Um, no, the, the, like, not, not that we know of. Uh, and I, I think that uh, one, one of the, the, this is not uh, exceptional to, to Egypt, uh, especially bearing in mind the overall context where many of these, uh, uh, like the, the institutional infrastructure itself uh, was still being built by the by by the time the pandemic uh, hit, but the the, the pandemic uh, was quite uh, revealing when it comes to the extent uh, of uh, uh, informal employment all over uh, the world. By the way, not only in the global south but also in the global north, uh, in a way that uh, I, I think requires uh, significant um, um, well, like cross-country uh, examination in the in the in the future uh, because you simply have uh, precariousness being an understatement uh, when it comes to how a significant percentage of uh, of of people in the labor market um, um, like um, uh, like the, the conditions under which they are uh, related to their employers uh, so th this is uh, something that apparently uh, results uh, from very weak regulation to start with, uh, and itself leads to the perpetuation of uh, weaker uh, regulation. So the state does not have the kind of information that is needed to address uh, uh, like the uh, questions of emergency. Um, and uh, apparently, this is something again that uh, uh, cuts across. Uh, like you, you, you can think uh, uh, not only of Egypt, you can think of India, uh, Brazil, and I would say even the United States, which is quite interesting that you have um, this uh, showing. Uh, and most probably, uh, this is uh, like something that we try to bring uh, uh, up, uh, like throughout the papers, not, 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 not Dina and I, I mean, like the, the people that uh, worked uh, within the project, we, we had a very big team. Uh, um, they, they tried to bring uh, uh, up the uh, long-term impact that uh, uh, neoliberalism uh, had uh, uh, on the deregulation of labor markets, contributed to the expansion of uh, uh, precariousness and informality, which is something that we already know, uh, but something that also questions the ability of uh, states uh, and state agencies to act in times of uh, of emergency like the, the the pandemic and this like raises many questions about how, like the, the not only the pandemics uh, to come but other emergencies and 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 other uh, 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 like uh, not business as usual things that might happen in the in the future yeah i think we were just basically pretty unprepared um uh, for it and the resources that existed yani some of it was 
um, you know, was widened. So, مثلاً, the access to Takeful Wakaroma was made um, bigger. The shelters uh, that were supposedly in use for um, women who undergo domestic violence were supposedly made to function more. They created a hotline for women to talk about domestic violence. And I'm thinking here, and when we think of informal labor, is this one of the conceptual things that we were thinking about is to think of women as part of these informal laborers. It's not just those men who are working, uh, you know, in different precarious jobs, but also doing domestic labor at home as a form of informality in a way. Um, so to talk about also access, what happened to in terms of support there, Yes, there were the you know nine or eleven shelters that exist in Egypt, but as we see and as as the papers show, <clears throat> unfortunately, we the the kinds of interventions that were there depended on what already existed before, and what already existed before was very lacking in a way. Uh, incomplete. The shelter is not very safe. People don't know about them. They're not even um, you know very. Um, uh, they weren't also yani, um, <clears throat> equipped for Corona times uh, and so on. We know that maybe a bit more people benefit from Takeful Karoma, but that's not really, you know, a, a, a broader way of thinking of social protection, which is why one of those papers that we have talks about how in our macroeconomic thinking, social protection often comes as an afterthought and not as part and parcel of how we think of um, you know, balances and how we think of financial planning and so on in terms of government. And that it, it was very important for us to also frame it in that um, in that perspective. So it's not just about which project was successful or which intervention, but also what is the overarching way in which we look at social protection? Is social protection something that comes kida, yani, at the end of our uh, macroeconomic thinking or how can we make it much more ingrained in there? Thank you, Amr and Dina, and thank you to our viewers. This was the end of the first of two episodes on the Social Protection Egypt Project at the American University in Cairo. For the second part of this interview, please join us on our next episode.